Thank you for joining us today, ladies and gents. Uh, we are three months away from the presidential election, and uh, figured I'd just make that announcement very clear. Uh, naturally, you're listening to Mars on Life. I'm Ryan Mancini. I'm going to be one of your hosts for today's episode, and joined with me, as always, Sebastian Shug. Way to shake it up. See, see, Ryan Mancini, I had no idea who that was. You know, <laughs> like, it's not a returning host. It's just a host. So, you know, <laughs> well, it's 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 kind of like when you have a TV show and you're surprised that the host is back, even though it's like, well, it is the host. Oh, or thank a host. God. Yeah. Thank God I can watch John Oliver time and time again to tell me what my opinions are. Yeah. Okay. Or, or at least just be thankful it's John Oliver and not uh, somebody else who shows up every once in a while. That would be that would be messy. Oh, oh, oh is that a joke? Uh, okay. <laughs> is that supposed to, that, that's a that's a Murray joke, huh? You want another joke, Murray? <laughs> Fucking guy. <laughs> so I, I want to just jump into this, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm doing this for brevity's sake because I got a lot to talk about. And uh, last episode, ironically, I didn't. Um, I kind of left that up to you and Heather. Uh, regarding uh, uh, the Karens of the world, which, by the way, you said you were going to come up with a title that was even better than mine. I thought my title was pretty good as a placeholder. Mm -hmm. Um, As Randall Graves would always say, a bunch of savages in this town, and I didn't think it could get any more perfect than that. Um, But you have have surprised me. You really have. I'm beginning to realize that asterisks are so oh, essential oh yeah they're very they're very buzzwordy you know i mean you, you pay attention to an asterisk yeah. uh, more so than you know it's eye-catching i like in a weird way it's a form of censorship and as much as i'm wholeheartedly against censorship of any kind i am always in favor of shutting down things that are hateful so you know whether that's not referring to the president as uh you know, his last name, stuff like that. It, it's it's cathartic in a way, and it's kind of a good way to make you feel like, ah, oh, not everything's so bloody miserable that I have to keep referencing these horrible people that are making my life miserable, like the Karens of the world. I, man, <laughs> it, it was very cathartic, I will say. Mm-hmm. So I've been spending a lot of time not working uh and by what I, when i say that i mean not working in front of the computer uh, at least when it comes to publishing i've been kind of taking a break from that and pursuing other projects but in the downtime i've been playing uh some ps4 mm-hmm. now if you can't tell already the tone of my voice it's really not what any of the other episodes kind of would entail as much as as much as i would love to use comedic hyperbole for this Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to be honest, it's hot as hell where I am, and it's mm-hmm. sucking the life out of me. Um, but also, it's kind of a more conversationalist topic, not mm-hmm. so much one of us getting mad about, uh, as usual, uh, <laughs> or especially me. But <laughs> I want to I want to get your take on it, because mm-hmm. you don't play video games, or at least you don't play them at the extent that I do, if at all. Right. Needless to say, when I sit down after sort of a long, hard day at work and, hell, a long, hard day of working in front of my computer, I'm sitting down with The Last of Us 2, mm-hmm. a game that is completely 
been raked through the mud by not only the internet, but also various uh, representational groups, let's just say. Now, you know me not only as the co-host of Mars on Life, but also as a person in general. Mm-hmm. That, that I tend to err on the side of contrarianism. More often than not, I'll have a joke affixed to that, but it's I like disliking things for the butt end of a joke and or satire. Mm-hmm. I hate to say, but I'm kind of on the contrarian end of, of this, but in the opposite way. Um, I actually like this game quite a bit. Oh, and okay. Yeah, no. And I'll tell you why. Because when we were talking about this episode, you know, it was kind of... It was kind of me shooting in the dark about proposing this topic to you because, mm-hmm. one, you don't play video games, but two, you can very much relate to the um, the, the pandemic-oriented mediums that are circulating now. I remember yeah. when we used to talk—God, um, oh what episode was it when we talked about, like, Outbreak and— um, Oh, yeah. Right, well, like, like talking about, like, Plague Entertainment plague and how entertainment. Yeah. It, it's— which, which surprisingly enough, studies have shown that they're they're their own kind of catharsis, but they're also their own kind of education for people, where yeah. they can get kind of an idea on their situation. I mean, hell, contagion is a lot like what we're going through now, you know. Well, it's exactly what we're going through now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, minus the whole people ripping each other to bits, but <laughs> where well, am I? Well, <laughs> where my opinion kind of stems from this, though, I think bottom line as a as an outbreak media, uh, specifically mm-hmm. about zombies. God, it's really hard to put into words, but the fact that it's, I guess, downright enjoyable. And mm-hmm. in contrast, you would look at something maybe as groundbreaking as The Walking Dead may, having this sort of an impact. I remember when it did in 2012, like 2013, around that area. But yeah. I would venture to hope that in some level of imagination, you would have some sort of originality when it comes to storylining these kind of fucking movies. Mm-hmm. And Last of Us definitely delivers. Okay, Last of Us Part 1 and Last of Us Part 2, up to the point I'm which playing at, mm-hmm. has delivered. Okay, And if you want to sit there and, and compare the whole thing about... Um, Walking Dead, <laughs> there we go, I, could, I almost forgot it. If you want to sit there and compare the story to Walking Dead, story, what fucking story? Oh, you mean the thing that AMC wants you to give a phenomenal shit about with pacing as slow as every single other goddamn Japanese media on the planet? Because they don't know what pacing is either, and it takes one episode to walk from a house to a building, and then another to a town? Look, I respect the the overall, like ambiance and Mm -hmm. anxiety um riddled feelings that these that these medias develop i guess i could put the disclaimer right now that this is a spoiler warning uh for last of us one and two a very brief synopsis very very brief um and then i'm going to address the the claims made against it because like i said people are up in arms about this title Mm -hmm. when really i think people are just looking at it the wrong way Right. But go ahead. 
Well, I, I was just going to say that I, I think, especially now, oh, well, okay, I, I don't think COVID has has much to do with it, somewhat, but I think that there is some degree of fatigue with the zombie genre, and I think it's fascinating how in certain how in certain uh, in certain mediums it's working in a way where something like The Walking Dead isn't for a lot of people. Because um, I I you know I was a huge fan. I came rather late into the game, but at the end of the day, it was something that I enjoyed for a short while, right. like like for a summer. And I think a lot of people end up being Fairweather fans when it comes to zombie apocalypse type story that mm. slowly morphs into something that really isn't a story or that more or less does not have an end goal. Because the end goal, theoretically, in mm. a zombie type situation... I'm speaking as if this were to happen in real life, as if we were to be bunkered and fighting for our lives. It's mm. either you hope that there's any kind of safe haven or you die. Yeah. Really well, that's why only... I like Train to Busan is because right. that's literally the point of the movie is you either die or you somehow make it long enough to reach the South Korean military and you're, you're good. And the thing about last of us, at least in part one is that they did this rather well. Mm. Now the story goes, you are a man named Joel and you have a daughter and mm. your daughter, you both live together and you're on the verge of an outbreak. Something happened in the news. Oh, there's a virus that's gotten out of control. You end up leaving your house. Uh, police come to arrest you because uh, you know, people can't be out on the streets. They're zombies. Ugh. Mm. Um, your daughter accidentally gets killed, and you have to live with that. Mm. Fast forward a few more years. You're sort of on the run. You've been doing miscellaneous odd jobs here and there. Uh, Ooga Booga government taken over. <laughs> um, needless to say, you break away, and you find a young a young woman named Ellie. Well, young woman. She's 15 in the mm -hmm. I think she's 15. Oh, God. She's she's definitely 13, 15, but it turns out that she's uh, immune. Oh, um, okay. She's, she's been bit, but she hasn't turned. Now, there is an organization, uh, sort of a pseudo-government faction, more along the lines of vigilantes, called Fireflies. And mm -hmm. Fireflies have bases stationed all over where you are. Now, the goal of the first game is to take Ellie to the um, to the Fireflies in order to create a vaccine because they mm -hmm. have the technology to do so because they're situated in the hospital. Mm -hmm. You make it there, and it turns out that the vaccine can be made, but it would kill her. You go through the whole game with Ellie, and you start to you start to kind of piece together. A bit of a familial relationship, obviously. Ellie doesn't have a dad. Joel doesn't have a daughter anymore. So it's kind of a, a subsidiary. Mm -hmm. And you grow to appreciate the characters. And lo and behold, Joel's like, fuck no, am I going to let her die? And proceeds to shoot up the entire hospital and help her escape. Um, hmm. Yeah. Uh, shoots the nurses, shoots the doctors, shoots anyone that stands in his way and proceeds to then lie about Ellie saying that, you know, we couldn't do anything for you. 
that's where the game ends for part one. Part two picks up exactly where the first one left off, pretty much. You know, it's a few years later, but... Um, is it, is it like trying to fill in the gaps between like its future story? And... I, I will I will get I'll definitely get into that and mm. please hold that thought because yeah. I need to compare it to something else that I think this game excels in very much and really I'll just get into it. A few years later, Ellie's getting older. She's starting to pick up the pieces and they make it to you know like the town like the the safe haven. There's no infected. You know, it's a mm. thriving community. You see you see this in The Walking Dead, but really, does it get... <laughs> you've seen one, you've seen them all, okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, and and, and this, they all have the same fate, all oh, of them. Oh, they all have the same fate where it's, you know, I'm comfortable where I want to be, and... Um, one schmuck disagrees with me, and the next thing I know, the entire I, exactly no village okay. that we're in is burnt to the ground. You didn't even need to fucking play the game to pick up on it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, what happens is that um, Joel, Ellie, you know, all the characters from the first game come, mm-hmm. except for a few, but those are like minor characters. And, and and keep in mind, listeners, I'm giving you a very, very brief synopsis um, with spoilers, but uh, it's going to come into play when I give my uh, sort of rebuttal here. Mm-hmm. Ellie's starting to pick up the pieces of who she is and, you know, why I'm in, why I got bit, but nothing happened to me. And it turns out you also take the perspective of a woman named Abby, who is a member of the quote unquote wolves. Mm hmm who spawned from the disbanded fireflies they disbanded and then they came together and they rebranded they are looking for joel because um well the fireflies did get their vaccine so now they're hunting down joel uh to find ellie basically Mm -hmm. joel kicks the bucket he gets killed and ellie survives and now she is going after uh Abby and the other team of wolves. You start to realize who she is as a person, especially as a 14-year-old when she's doing things like exploring her sexuality and establishing herself as a predominant role in learning how to use a gun, let alone survive. Very different things I would say in comparison to The Walking Dead where you typically have sort of the male dominant fucking oh let's fucking shoot some zombies and the women stay behind kind of thing right i'm not saying that that's every single episode i'm just saying that it, it i've seen it more it's a so lot of the early stuff that's it's a for lot sure. of the, it's a lot of the early stuff right um it's revealed very early on in the last of us 2 that ellie is indeed a lesbian okay mm-hmm. and if you want to you want to know the first red flag for the internet there you go which i'm going to go into why that's fucking bullshit mm-hmm. God, I can't wait to tear into this. Bottom line, this game, uh, it's played in two perspectives. Mm -hmm. You play as Ellie and you play as Abby. Abby is the second half of the game. Whereas after Ellie's part is over, Abby confronts her saying, oh, you killed all my friends. What the fuck? And then you go into, you basically, remember how you said that, um, what did you say earlier? uh like it's the retelling of a story and like expanded upon oh yeah yeah. where 
where basically you have, you know, you, you tell a story that is supposed to be told directly leading up after the previous story was told. Right. But there's this kind of jumping back and forth where you're you're basically getting the gaps filled in in between what you're currently right. watching. So basically it's like, uh, I guess the best way to describe it would be like if they had a Star Wars movie where they're back to back and they had a bunch of filler in between to kind of let you know like, okay, this is what has changed between – the first episode and the second episode. I guess if that makes any I w- sense. I would actually go so far as to say that this is more akin to Back to the Future 1 and 2. Okay. Where uh, 1 yeah. is being played in Ellie's perspective and 2 is being played in Abby's perspective. Because in Last of Us 2, you get brief glimpses of the first game. Right? Right. And it's not really revealed as to why you know, Ellie is being hunted down alongside, you know, making the vaccine, but that's kind of fallen below the wayside. Mm -hmm. Turns out Abby is hunting Ellie again, major spoiler, because when Joel was shooting up the hospital in order to save Ellie, Joel shot up the doctor about to perform the surgery on Ellie. Hmm. Little, Little do you know, in the first game, that doctor is Abby's father. Now, again, that's about as far as i played you know that and some change and really when i when i went into the last of us 2 i went into it with the predisposition of me not going to enjoy it because that's what the internet told me that's what my Mm. friends told me and that's what basically everyone told me in Mm. comparison to the first game that it was a lackluster sequel uh comparatively now personally i don't know what the fuck constitutes a bad game other than it doesn't meet the fulfillment. But needless to say, I went into this with that exact attitude. And to this moment, to this current period, I have yet Mm -hmm. to find something that I'm disappointed in. I kept expecting Mm -hmm. to be disappointed, and I just, it just didn't happen. Okay? Mm -hmm. Mainly because I like the story progression. I like how it subverts your expectations. The twist everyone was fucking bogging on, being like, oh, the, the twist was so fucking stupid. I'm like, I never would have given that char- that doctor character a second thought had mm. she not have been related to someone I'm now playing as, okay? Mm-hmm. And that creates a great revenge motive. I can, I can obviously sing its praises all day, and I could sing how, you know, my opinion is my opinion, and you can take it for what it's worth, because in comparison to a lot of zombie outbreak media, this one definitely surpasses it. Is it a good Last of Us title? Not really in comparison to the first one, but I think, mm-hmm. again, people need to look at it as sort of its standalone title. I'd like to turn our attention to Metro. News, but not as you know it. All right, well... <laughs> the. So the article is titled Why the Last of Us 2 Why the Last of Us Part 2 is a bad sequel. It's a reader's mm. feature. Um yeah, garnered a substantial amount of comments. It's a little lackluster in the way how it um sort of sings its praises and then denotes, you know, sort of its shortcomings. And by no means is it a perfect game, nor is it a perfect piece of media. Right. But I'll just kind of go into it as to how kind of vapid it sounds Mm -hmm. 
The first Last of Us and its well-received DLC established a narrative that had two of the most beloved characters in gaming history, which was rightly lauded as a classic. It always felt like it should have remained as a standalone masterpiece, but a sequel is what we have. Let me start with the positives. The graphics are absolutely stunning. They're clearly pushing the aging PlayStation 4 to its limits, as a fan of the noise can testify to. As the fan noise can testify... Yeah, that fucker is loud. The environmental level design is excellent, as is the sound. Facial animations are really superb. The presentation of this game is one of the best available on the PlayStation 4. So they're really singing its praises in the aestheticism department, where if you want to make the argument that, oh, graphics make a game, uh, you need to, first of all, see a a colonoscopist and um, have them remove your head from your ass, if you think that's all that matters. I think that's proctology. Proctology. I'm a fucking idiot. It's hot! <laughs> Fucking hot! Ugh. Anyway. Another big positive are the game's accessibility options. Naughty Dog have really pushed the boat on this with clearly well-thought-out options. I'm colorblind to the point where some games pose a problem, so Naughty Dog's commitment to this area should be condemned. Personally, I thought it was annoying how it was fucking text-to-speech for every <laughs> single option that you clicked. Although it has some tweaks, the gameplay is familiar, most performing as the same perfunctory way of processing the story. Enemy artificial intelligence at times is still laughably laughably bad because zombies are well known for having a prefrontal cortex. Of okay. course. However, the delicate balance of the original has gone. Environmental puzzles play little part now, so the gameplay is repetitive. Sneak and kill, rinse and repeat. At times, I began to feel like I was a data entry clerk. And then we come to the story. It's very difficult to criticize this game properly without spoilers. What I can say is it's far too long and structurally awkward. But it's in the second half that this game really falls apart. The second half is Abby's portion, like I said. Mm. There is a distasteful theme of underlying patronizing that makes the game feel like a 25-hour endeavor that only exists to tell players off. We are forced into performing certain actions we don't want to do, only then to be admonished for doing so. Often these are contrived parts which compromise the integrity of the characters simply to facilitate certain plot points to get a desired reaction. As such, they make decisions that are often fundamentally incoherent and illogical. The inconsistency of the treatment of certain characters performing the same actions during the second part is, at times, embarrassingly bad. The ending is a very good example of this. It's laugh-out-loud ridiculous in its lack of logic. The plot is clumsy, ham-fisted, and trite. Subtle, this game is not, and comes across as a series of cheap parlor tricks. In terms of beautifully drawn-out characters to help progress a plot, Druckmann is no Jane Austen. (laughs) The terminal problem with this game for me was I just simply stopped caring. Okay, so the the terminal problem, the be-all, end-all, is this fucking guy's opinion. Okay. Now, I'm not going to read on because it's it's a bunch of pedantic personal bullshit on his part. Mm -hmm. However, I will address uh, the you know, the structurally awkward, contrived parts, facilitating certain plot points. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to come out and say it. Everyone fucking dogged this game because of the character's representation, okay? Whether it be gender, sexuality, race, nationality. Like, everyone loved the fact that... I'm not going to say that Naughty Dog is inherently doing this to get a rise out of people, Mm -hmm. because really... If you think about it, these people played their parts in the best way that they could, and it wasn't fucking contrived. The fact that Ellie is an open lesbian who whose partner that goes along with her um, 
which, by the way, is of Jewish descent. So, you know, fucking give a point to them for actually depicting something that isn't technically uh, well, isn't typically represented. You know, right. Because if you if you know anything about the Uncharted series uh, with fucking faux hawk Mika, faux hawk Mick Caucasian running around with a gun uh, in certain countries. Yeah, mm-hmm. the only brown people that you see end up dead on the ground. Um, anyway. Yeah. When it comes down to the representation of this game, it doesn't take away from the story. And I think a lot of people were going into the expectation that it would thereby have something to having something to complain about. Now, Mm -hmm. it's still stupid to complain about. Right. Because on one hand, you have you have liberals being like, well, this isn't adequately represented like it was in the first game. Well, in the first game, Ellie had a relationship with a girl at 14 that wasn't over-sexualized. Well, it's it's no different than when you have characters that are in high school that, you know, have relationships or crushes on each other. I mean, it's Well, but see, I but mean, see, it's probably I, not like Degrassi, but But that was but that was perfect in how it was at 14 years of age. Last of Us 2, Ellie's 19. Of course she's going to start exploring her sexuality, which she does pretty I'm not going to say explicitly, mm-hmm. um, but in some cutscenes it's pretty apparent that she is she isn't into dudes. Okay, now to the tune of Abby, to the people toting the this sort of feminist regime that this game inexplicably took over from the first to the second game, toting uh, toting these characters as the fucking Rosie the Riveter of first person shooters. In all the hours I spent playing, and I'm still playing the game, mm-hmm. not one did I see. Did not one moment that I see some contrived um, feminazi bullshit where it was shoved down my throat to such an extent that I was thereby annoyed. Okay. These characters naturally are going to look different and going to act different based on their background. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ellie was a young girl when she was found. And let's be serious, she's kind of the same person growing up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Abby put on some muscle, but that's because she was raised in an institution similar to the military, the fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you look at Abby when she was younger versus Abby, when she was, when she's older and you see both sides, yeah, she's grown a considerable amount of muscle. Okay. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that she can't do the job. Right. Mm-hmm. And what I'm, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I, I maybe you can put it into better words than I can. But what does this exactly take away from the story? Nothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's just a bunch of pedantic bullshit. It was still a pretty brain brainless, mindless, fun action game. You know, mm-hmm. for what it was worth. I wasn't expecting any. I wasn't expecting anything out of a. Uh, What's a good novelist? <laughs> What's a good novelist that that focused in the supernatural? Um, um, uh, Clyde Barker. There we go. Sure. Yeah. I was gonna say Lovecraft. Yeah. That, that seems or like H. the. Yeah. It wasn't anything yeah. out of a Clyde Barker novel, definitely. But you know, it, it was fun. This one is definitely more along the lines of a AAA title. Obviously, they're centered on story, and if you look at it as that, mm-hmm. then that's what you get, and a pretty good one.
okay? Because I'm sorry, going into The Last of Us 2, I looked at it as a political statement. And I realized that was the completely wrong way to do things, okay? So rather than looking at it as solely a political statement to get mad at the expectations that I had previously, why don't you look at it as a game? And if anything else, it's a 30-hour time waste in this goddamn unknown amount of time spent pandemic (laughs) all right so okay you just burned 30 hours you know you write it off as a 30 dollar loss you're still stuck inside dude right Uh, i mean hell that's how i feel about uh gta vice city i mean oh well that game was a masterpiece no it wasn't comparison to san andreas it really wasn't San Andreas is like the, the San Andreas the standard. The fucking now, pinnacle, yeah. Obviously, if I had five available for iOS, this would be a very different discussion. But given what I have access to, because I have an iPhone, San Andreas is, uh, oh yeah. Oh, very. Well, yeah. I, 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 I get the feeling with, you know, and I, I haven't read too many of the reviews for for The Last of Us Two. I for a while, I heard good things. You know, like the anticipation for it was enough that I was like, I don't know how this game could fail, you know. That's the thing. You can say the same thing about Fallout 76, and my God, do I still have a fucking aneurysm every time I think about that game. Because (laughs) that game is the reason why I no longer anticipate launch titles anymore. It was that bad. Oof. It was that bad. And I didn't even buy this game. I did not buy Last of Us 2. I instead borrowed it from a coworker of mine who was very generous in, in lending it to me because mm-hmm. he had, um, you know, sort of the same contrarian opinion that I'm having where it was pretty good and don't let the online reviewers kind of fool you into it. And yeah. thankfully, I was only spoiled one time, and that was because Joel was dying, or Joel died, which, let's be serious, to progress the story, it kind of needed to happen to, for that yeah. revenge plot to be there in the first place, mm-hmm. on both sides, okay? So, if you want to look at this as a revenge plot, which people think is done to death in comparison to the first one, my question is this. Either take the revenge plot for what it is, or what the fuck else do you have in a zombie outbreak story other right. than just to survive? Okay. Mm-hmm. Really? Because you're rather than finding a cure, you are the cure. Yeah. Theoretically, you cannot die. And that puts you in a very, very story driven perspective that mm-hmm. I think is why Last of Us was a fucking blockbuster you know and i'm not Mm -hmm. saying that this game has to reach blockbuster standards because you know let's be serious the game could use a tweak or 50 but (laughs) it's not it's not what critics say it is Mm -hmm. you know it's not what metro uh uh metro mongoloid or forbes fuckhead you know says it is Mm -hmm. you know and i i want to go into sort of the second article here um, to sort of cap it off. Now, The Last of Us Part Two. what's the problem here exactly? Well, like many people, I spent most of yesterday diving into The Last of Us 2, a sequel to one of my favorite games of all time and an experience I've been waiting years for. But between plot leaks, ripped cutscenes, and controversy about certain characters, I knew a war was brewing and one has indeed arrived. While The Last of Us 2 has 
has a best games of the generation level critic score of 95 on Metacritic. 95, and people are still um, ragging on it. <laughs> so the user score is obviously bombed, where it sits at a 3.4 out of 10 with 24,000 reviews. Wow. For context, the entire lifespan of The Last of Us 1 generated just over 9,000 user scores. It's been 36 hours for The Last of Us Part 2. 36 hours when this was written, 24,000 reviews. Mm -hmm. So what the hell is going on? Why are so many people mad about the game? After playing it around 12 hours or so, I can only comment on what appears to be about the first half if the 25 to 30 hour reports of total playtime are true, and yet I remain confused, and simultaneously not very confused at all. As a fan of the original, I am very much liking this one as well. Everything I loved about the first game is present here. Yeah, pretty much. You know, all the mechanics are the same. Mm. These are some of the most beautiful, most detailed environments I've ever seen in a video game. The performance capture and writing is excellent, and the story swings between brutal lows and genuinely sweet highs. Okay, you want to stroke the aestheticism deck even more? There you go. If there's anything to complain about, many of the issues I have with the first game are still present here. I think the clickers slash infected are a poorly realized enemy type, and I can't stand any of those encounters. Let me put it to you this way, Mancini. Mm -hmm. A zombie that is... A zombie's... Um, uh, let's just say method of locating your whereabouts are not running at you. Instead, mm -hmm. it's determinant on echolocation. If you make a sound, they know where you are. Doesn't mm. that seem pretty cool? That's As pretty cool. To, yeah. That is what a clicker is, quote unquote. Okay. Um, personally, he thinks it's a poorly realized enemy type, not knowing that you're supposed to, I don't know, fucking crouch and sneak up on it. I don't know. Mm. I think the story gets broken up by overly long exploration and combat sequences, especially when Ellie is alone and there are not interspersed cutscenes to keep things moving. Well, that's kind of what the gameplay is for there, Slick. <laughs> and yet the issues with the game are nowhere near enough to offset the good so far, so something else is clearly at play here with everyone screaming about how much it sucks and they hate it. So what's up? I have to go into early spoilers here a bit because it's more or less impossible to talk about the game without mentioning what is effectively the entire driving force behind the plot. Number one, the death of Joel. One impetus for anger in these early reviews is a plot point that I'm willing to say that many players have probably reached. I am less convinced these many thousands of people have all, have all reached the end in the first game, so if they experienced the ending, it was just the relieved cutscene. I am, of course, talking about Joel's brutal murder at the hands of Abby and her former Firefly contingent, where he's captured and beaten to death right in front of her, right in front of Ellie. It is, of course, a shocking moment. It is also not terribly surprising, if you ask me. Yes, I've heard the leaks, but well well before that ever happened, the first trailer showcased that Ellie was on the warpath out to get revenge. From that first moment, it seemed pretty clear to me that it was likely that some group had killed Joel, and even if Joel did appear in some spots, I figured those were either flashbacks or imagined appearances. Mm -hmm. That's half right, at least. I simply disagree with the notion that killing a character you like is automatically a bad story decision. Okay, so maybe I judge this article a little bit too harshly at first. Because mm. it isn't a bad story decision. Um, you know, sure, sometimes stories can go too far with the idea. Mm -hmm. The absurd body counts in Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, etc. There you fucking go! Mm -hmm. There you go. And yet, here I think it absolutely works as a driving force. Um, okay, so it goes on. The agenda is number two. Mm. 
Let me give you a helpful hint. If your negative review of The Last of Us 2 is based anywhere from zero to 30 hours of playtime, includes the words agenda, feminism, SJW, woke, pandering, or political correctness, you have already lost this argument. The common refrain I'm already hearing from people is saying, it's not about that, it's about the story. Okay, I feel like this dude is speaking to me subconsciously. Well, it's, I think it's, I, I don't know, like, like kind of looking from the outside in on on the subjects of like what would you say if a gay relationship or a fuck Mm. anything that isn't sort of the heteronormative stereotype is portrayed in a situation where it's really not important okay and while yes it is important to have this representation in any form of media Mm zombies are fucking killing you okay i think the last thing i'm worried about is whether or not the main protagonist is shacking up with a guy or a girl okay because well, it's, because bottom line it's written well and it's executed right. not in the way that say family guy would do it where it's overtly stereotypically gay or overtly stereotypically racist mm-hmm. so well, what it's is detracting from the story exactly i i honestly the idea that that anybody would think that it's somehow a detractor. I mean, it, you almost need to ask, sometimes ask these people, you know, are you okay with characters of color in general? Like that, it, it, you almost want to boil it down to that point because that's where you finally get an answer as to where, what these people are thinking about. Because I guarantee fucking to you, these are probably the same people that had a conniption fit over, um, john boyega playing finn in star wars where they were where you know there were comments saying you know you can't have a black stormtrooper why there's no star wars explanation for that yeah and the funny thing is is that you have some of these people that will twist the canon they will lie to basically justify oh well he can't be a stormtrooper because they used clones of jango fett that is false they did not okay well well devil's advocate if they used clones of jango fett jango fett was not a fucking white man okay right so but and also those clones (laughs) were supposed to rapidly age right which means by the time the clone wars were over they were they needed to retire that was why they got into the civilian stormtrooper program and the first order adapted it and that's how you got finn as a stormtrooper the fact that people had an issue with that, I mean, for goodness sake, Lando was like the first black Star Wars character, and he betrayed the rebels. He betrayed his own friends. Right. And yeah, you don't have anybody saying anything about that or looking for some kind of hidden meaning when someone could easily make up a conspiracy theory around that. Well, if I mean, bottom line, if you want to criticize anything for John Boyega, it's not his portrayal. It's not the fact that he's black. Okay, fucking rake him through the mud because he learned how to pick up a lightsaber inexplicably. Okay, whereas it took Luke two films to do it and the third one to do it even remotely well. It's like. So it's it's like like this. It's like, yeah, complain about that. Okay, complain about the non-pedantic things in in a film that it doesn't even contribute to the main plot it doesn't even contribute to the main eu the extended universe right 
Well, and I think with The Last of Us, the idea that there's some kind of agenda or people that actually think, you know, they're trying to shove it down our throats. It's like, no, it's the fact that you've never had a story that's addressed characters who are LGBTQ in a zombie apocalypse. There are going to be victims who are, you know, victims, but also survivors that are LGBTQ, because guess what? If we're trying to make this the same as our normal reality, then you're going to encounter characters that are gay or bisexual or transgender. It's just the way it is. I mean, no one ever complained about people of color in The Walking Dead. That's because it's supposed to reflect our society. We have a diverse society. If people don't like that, sorry, incels, uh, guess what? It's a lot bigger than, you know, the white walls of your home and the white parents of your family. You know, it's, it's, it's so much bigger. And, and this is something even walking dead tapped into in kind of an interesting way. The problem was the story, the main story was pointless. The main story was such a moot point that any auxiliary story about its characters they didn't matter in regards to the overall story because the overall story was garbage. And ultimately, the only fate you knew these characters had ahead of them was probably getting eaten, you know, right. or, or right. turning in some way. Right. So I, I was having the same conversation about uh, to Heather actually about Hamilton, because mm-hmm. really, when you look at the cast of Hamilton – you get white people few and far between okay when it comes to assuming roles now i would make the argument well i would make the obvious argument that that uh miranda made it that way obviously Mm -hmm. to blend the old and new but you know maybe i'm a bit politically incorrect when i say this but the people that were chosen for the roles Mm -hmm. are fucking good performers regardless of their skin color. Yeah. Now, now I was admittedly kind of ostracized when I made that comment because it, I guess Heather thought that it was along the lines of, um, you know, they didn't just get the role because they were black or brown. I'm like, no, of course not. It's because no. that they were the best suited for the role, according to Miranda's opinion. Mm-hmm. But also because, you know, when you're looking at these portrayals, especially if you grew up in the 21st century with a hint of education, you don't you can kind of see past the fact that George Washington is being portrayed as a black male mm-hmm. or that Hamilton is being portrayed as a person of color or 80 percent of the entire cast of Hamilton is being portrayed by people of color. Mm-hmm. OK, because that didn't take away from the story, which no. if you want to from, you know, the first song to the last, I'm hooked. Mm-hmm. I, don't give, I don't give a fuck what they look like. OK, I guess from a from an audience standpoint, I give a fuck if they sing well, which of course they do. They do. And in regards to last of us Two, does the game number one, does the game put me in a position where you feel like the hero? Obviously not because it's not a silent protagonist. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or a, um, sort of like a, what's the, what's the word? Not a silent protagonist, but like first person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you're being told the story through another player's perspective, in this case, too. Yeah. And the fact that I'm a white man sitting here playing a game that is about two white women 
You know, I, I'm sure my 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 southern and midwestern brethren would disagree with me, but I didn't see anything wrong with that. Okay. Yeah. There's it nothing wrong with it. It didn't. I mean, it didn't take away from my, my predisposition of the world, blah, you know, as a white man. But it was like, mm-hmm. okay, if you were legitimately in a circumstance where you were fighting for your own life, would the first thing that be on my mind is who I'm boinking after the adventure is over? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't realistically think so. Well, and, I think if you, I think if you ask your average gamer, that probably that probably is what they're thinking. Unfortunately, hey gamers don't need sex. Okay, statistically, <laughs> the penises are, are are bigger. Okay, stop. <laughs> anyway, no, I I really do suddenly think, millions of Fortnite yeah. voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. Oh no, the <laughs> the Zoomer voice. <laughs> Well, and I think too that you know this is this is the new, and it's been this way for years now, where it's been about okay, who are these games for? Who are we going to bring in? How are we going to expand our audience? Now the thing with that is if you have a game that has enough of a reach with not only its characters but just the property alone, then you can probably rake in a lot of fans from all walks of life that are going to be interested and they're going to want to play the game for full effect. But when it comes to the hardcore gamers that have been, you know, the, they've got, they've got carpal tunnel dating all the way back to halo three. And they've been, you know, they've seen it all from, uh, the rise and fall of, of destiny to, you know, online GTA gaming. And yet, you keep running back into these same issues every now and then where a game or a movie comes out. And now look, there is definitely, you're definitely going to have in some media, you will have something that's basically shoved down your throat. Case in point, Captain Marvel. I'm not going to go into it because I don't really care about Captain Marvel or Marvel movies in general, but that's a good example of having something clearly shoved down your throat. In regards yeah. to just about everything else, case in point, uh, and I know I, I'm not a fan of these movies anymore, but they're a good example. The Star Wars sequel trilogy. They did this because, again, in a galaxy far, far away, you would think it has some degree of diversity, given that you have so many thousands of of, uh, of star systems, as well as so many different kinds of aliens you would also think that maybe the human species is diverse in of itself. And they proved that in this new trilogy. And that's great. I, you know, all the power to you. You ultimately made a very horribly written trilogy that kind of ruins the ending of, uh, one of my, you know, childhood moments of getting to sit there and, you know, slow clap with Lando as they're on Endor because they just blew up the freaking death star. But, Put you applied something that is so welcoming and universally uh, accepted, or at least it ought to be in this twisted, stupid country, and you put it in a galaxy far, far away where the emphasis on not only having a united team of, you know, ragtag rebels and aliens and pirates and droids, but you're acquiring all of that in a way to show we can stand up against that which is putting us down and to that effect it 
did it effectively. But the backlash, and this is something that I've, I've said ever since we, uh, uh, I think I, I think ever since our, our last in-person episode, we talked about this, and especially specifically in regards to Last Jedi, it's the divisiveness of having characters that aren't your stereotypical lead characters, i.e. having an Asian lead, uh, Asian supporting female character in Rose Tico. And the idea that people had a problem with that is disgusting. I mean, it's, it's why, why, how is this a problem in Star Wars of all places? You know, it, it's, it's, She's part of she's part of the resistance. She's part of the good guys. You know, she's a part of the reason why, you know, this story is supposed to be for everyone. That was if you wanted a takeaway from that movie, it's that this is for everyone. And so for The Last of Us 2 to have all these detractors because of two female characters that, you know, aren't your stereotypical female characters, it's like, well, you know, what, do you want the same you know, boring story about the great white hope saving everybody. And, you know, maybe he gets bit at the end. Maybe he doesn't like it's you got to change it up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And see, that was that was sort of the idea that they went with in regards to The Last of Us Part One, which had uh, a DLC implemented Mm -hmm. in it. And this is where the sort of. the growing up and realizing yourself of Ellie, uh, that's where it really begins to take form. Because mm-hmm. in this two-hour mini side story, you you uh, go with another Firefly member. And I'm forgetting her name off the top of my head, but she is a young girl, mm-hmm. uh, Ellie's age. And you can tell that this is you know a crush that is happening. Okay, mm-hmm. It's nowhere along the lines of the 19-year-old that you're now seeing in this game. But... You know, maybe or maybe people are comparing it to the first game and this specific DLC because it was done a lot more subtly. And I think that I think that is what people who are left leaning and liberals would very much prefer in contrast to the the uh, comedic hyperbolistic representation in like Family Guy, the Yahoo, you know, those right kind of games. Yeah. It, it was done beautifully in that game. And and I would venture to say that it was done very well in this one, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to spoil the DLC, and what makes it even more powerful is that that girl doesn't even end up living in the end. Matter of fact, you don't know mm-hmm. what happens to her. All you know is at the end of the DLC, she gets bitten. And, oh. El- and Ellie stays with her and the credits roll. So you know okay. what's going to happen, but it's like fuck you know i can go on and on i really can and i very much like to sort of wrap up this article as well as like any closing thoughts i have Mm -hmm. i left off on the common refrain i'm already hearing is people saying it's not about that it's about the story and if there are hundreds yet there are hundreds of user reviews that all cite one or all of those terms saying that naughty dog is pushing some sort of agenda because these characters exist in the game 12 hours in and that's literally all that happens ellie is gay she has a girlfriend who is her traveling companion in the first half of the game the only commentary at all about any of this other than the mere existence of these characters is ellie calling a guy a bigot who made a big deal out of her kissing dina dina is ellie's girlfriend mm-hmm. the guy apologizes he makes them sandwiches the end hmm. that's it 
You know, it's ridiculous to me that these characters simply existing somehow defines an agenda. If a guy and a girl get together in a cutscene, it's par for the course in any game or movie or show. And yes, there is an uncensored sex scene in the game. Have fun looking for it. <laughs> if a girl and a girl do it, it's being shoved in our faces. It really wasn't. Um, maybe it's the, uh, the the frat boy rising in me, but I didn't see shit, man. I was expecting a porno. I'm kidding. I wasn't well, expecting it, a porno. That's the thing. If it's if it was mm. if that's what it would have took, then I probably would have said, "This is how gay people have sex." Cool. You know, did it add to the story any? Not really. But mm. I now know that they're in a relationship, which is kind of all I needed to know. You know, right? It didn't detract and it didn't add anything. It was mm. just a subsidiary. Well, it's almost like you want to ask these people, you know, okay, so it's either being shoved down your throat as part of an agenda, but then what's your alternative? You know, is the alternative to just have it be, you know, another cis man, cis woman, or are you going to fetishize it? And at least with one of those, you're, you're, <laughs> with one of those, you're committing a sin. With the other one, you're, basically just giving me a milk toast story because it could be no different from watching uh rick and and Lori walking walking in the forest with coral you know and and john bernthal and the rest of the gang like it, it's it's like any other zombie story that has or hell it is you don't even need to uh use zombies you could use the example of a quiet place like it's yeah. a white guy his white wife and they're white kids. Oh, I can relate to that. I, I've, I've seen enough stories with a, a husband and a wife and their kids. Like, I want to see something different. But I also want to see something that's maybe a little bit more representative. And on top of that, you know, again, it has to do with the story. And I think, based on everything that you've said, it sounds like the story works with the two female characters. And that if you took them out, it would be a very different story. Well, if you took them out and replaced it, let's just say Joel's alive. So you're playing as a standalone heteronormative white male. Okay. Yeah. I like revenge stories. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't care who's in, in the driver's seat when I play these kinds of games. Mm -hmm. I especially love it when it's non-Euclidean as this one is. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have had a problem regardless. And me going into it with the prestigious gamer journalism badge bestowed upon my fucking chest. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I hate, I really hate to dock your profession, man, but there's a reason why I'm not a journalist and it's because I don't carry my opinions like a fucking bag on my hip. Because mm -hmm. if I would have analyzed every single piece of media, like the people online and people directly to my face told me to do, mm -hmm. I would have probably came, I, this would have probably been a much different episode with me saying, this ruins the game, that ruins the game. But in a way, turning off my brain, or tuning my brain, I should say, in order to not maintain ignorance, but mm -hmm. to appreciate the actual work and time and effort this story got. Yeah. It's the first one. It became a much more pleasant experience. It's kind of a weird thing to juxtapose it with, but 
Mm-hmm. I'm at, I'm at work and I'm thinking about this episode uh, today and earlier on today, and I kept thinking about this game, my opinion on it, and Joker. Mm-hmm. More specifically, a quote by our uh, favorite political pundit, Paul Joseph Watson. <laughs> uh-huh. No, 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 but no, but no. Um, it's mainly his um, interpretation of uh, the media's reaction to Joker, which I mm-hmm. admittedly I wholeheartedly agree with because he says that, you know, certain people, certain journalists, and I'm paraphrasing here, mm-hmm. went into this movie, went into watching the movies with their thumbs up their asses and their minds already made up. That's and I true. Think, and I think a lot of people went into The Last of Us 2 expecting it to be like the first one or expecting it to thoroughly disappoint it. It could have been avoided. It could have been avoided if people just appreciated it for what it was, which was a different take on the Outbreak franchise. Yeah. Okay, because I, I can't do another Walking Dead or fucking Contagion or Cloverfield or or uh, A Quiet Place. You know, I can't do the... Um, God, what's the uh, what's the word when people are uh, the the sentient monster trope again, where you know oh, let's run, yeah. let's let's run gun and hide to some extent and hope. No, tell a fucking revenge story, please. Anything to break up the monotony of this. Well, that's why I'm so curious about uh, Peninsula, the Train to Busan sequel, because. The movie, the, the first movie, number one, if you haven't seen it, oh my goodness, you have to see it. Um, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Very recently, when I when I was going through a terrible bout of depression from uh, the stuff that I was reading, um, the books I was reading, I rewatched Train to Busan, and I, I rewatched it, and I was thoroughly intrigued and, and just as happy to watch it as I was the first time around, because... It is such a different take when you have a setting like South Korea and you have characters like you have in that movie where they're from all walks of life and yet they're all realizing they have to either cooperate or basically put other lives at risk in order to survive. And, you know, based on what I can understand, even just from the title of the sequel, if it is on a peninsula, then you know you know that that there's going to be a, a potentially a chase on a beach maybe i don't know but it's exciting enough because okay this first movie was about zombies on a train and going from place to place and realizing either you're completely screwed or oh the train station's been completely destroyed or everyone's been zombified at the train station we got to keep going we can't get off this train and you know again having the characters be so different where you've got the macho guy with his pregnant wife the businessman father who's very neglectful with his daughter he's divorced from his wife um you know and then you got like this baseball team that gets involved and they got the one cheerleader who's got a crush on the one guy who's not really reciprocal in their sort of relationship tete-a-tete and then you got like the corrupt businessmen that are like hiding and doing their best to make sure that everybody else gets eaten before they do. There's so, and and that's just 
skimming it on the surface. There's so much to the movie, to Train to Busan, that makes it probably one of the best zombie movies of the last... Oh my goodness, I don't know how many... I mean, at least the best since uh, uh, since Shaun of the Dead, at least. Mm. Um, but, you know, it, it's, again, it's still, it, it's telling a different story. And obviously it has the benefit of also being a foreign film. So the budget's going to be different. The cast is going to be very different. The story's going to be very raw and very uh, emotionally driven in a way that I don't know if American films are, you know, ever as good as anymore in that regard, that's almost what you have to introduce to people that are detracting from the last of us too, is, well, what zombie story do you want? And when you start getting the responses of basically, you know, a guy surviving on the run, it's like, well, okay. And it's a white dude. Oh, gee. All right. Like, like I haven't seen this before. Okay. Like it's, it just starts to get nauseating and it just starts to feel boring. I mean, and I think adding that soap opera element like Walking Dead did, it's how you're going to lose your viewership. You know, I mean, yeah. that's arguably that's where something like Fear the Walking Dead, I would argue. And, and I, I hate saying this because I, I haven't seen it. Thus, I can't say what, whether or not this is true. But at least every time I've seen the advertising for it it's given me hope that this feels like a different show because of where it's located. Cause I want to say the first few seasons are like near LA and Mexico, which is obviously for us. That's like, Ooh, give me more, you know, like mm -hmm. that's, that's right. That's our bread and butter, you know, whereas the woods of Georgia, it's like, Oh yeah. So, so this is set, you know, location wise, it is very, um, metropolitan right so you have like abandoned buildings abandoned hospitals but this one you actually go to um so this is off the coast of fuck i think it's seattle and okay. there's like an island there or something and it's like all foresty i don't even know if this is geographically correct you know it's it's the same people that are ruffled by the expression black lives matter i mean it's it, that that that's that's the easiest way I can summarize it because, again, it just seems to me like if people are that upset over, what is it, two lesbian characters in a in a zombie video game? I mean, you know, it, I, video games are not what they used to be. <laughs> it's it's not it's not the the simple days of Halo and Super Mario and you know the 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 most, you know, the most badass uh, Grand Theft Auto character was CJ. Like, it's it's a very different world. You know, Keanu Reeves is a video game character. You know, Paul McCartney is writing holographic music videos for uh, space-faring soldiers, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about Destiny. But, like, you've, you know, you... It, it's just it's a different world now and obviously with covid as well it's like look there's a reason why you get all that horrible pedantic shit that says you know we're in this together apart it's like i get that but and it's still stressing on the fact that you know we still need to be united in some way and the idea that people are gonna you know crap a brick because you know oh there's a lesbian character in my video game it's like oh my god like 
Get real. <laughs> Get a life. <laughs> Literally. Help OG Loke uh, steal the, the lyrics book. There you go. Fuck off, man. <laughs> oh, my God. All you had to do was follow the follow damn, damn train, train CJ. CJ. God. I've beaten and that you, easy, easy, by the way. The well, idea that anyone has found that level hard. It's a fucking nightmare. Oh, Dude, it's so the, easy. Okay. Oh, really? Okay, so you tell me, Rockstar Dev, how do you fucking shoot a machine gun upwards when, A, you're not even in control of the fucking machine gun or where it goes, and B, when the hitboxes are so goddamn tiny because you have to literally be a penis length length on the track in order to aim at... Well, it's... You know, it's like... There's ways of being sneaky about it. I know there's at least one sneaky way. I cheated, and I fucking did the jetpack thing, okay? (laughs) And I shot him myself, all right? Mission passed. That's it. You want to know the real hard mission was flying around that biplane? Oh, my God. Oh. Mother of a fuck. I played it on PC, too, so it's all fucked up. (laughs) Oof. Oh, God. But anyway, I, I guess in closing, when it comes mm. down to The Last of Us 2, it's like, quit being, quit being such hard asses, all right? Do what you need to do. Rob, cheat, lie, steal, join Obama's cabinet. Fucking play the game, okay? <laughs> and form your own opinion. I don't know. Maybe not let it slide into the hands of people telling you how to think. I don't know. Maybe I'm asking for too much, but oh, I'll put it this way: if 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 they think they're being force-fed something, then they they need to realize that that's that's an argument that has long since lost any legs. You know, it, it, it's kind of like if people are gonna once the term agenda pops into the discourse, then you know that you're not dealing with the sane argument. You're dealing with somebody that is just frazzled because they yeah. had to see, you know, because a it's person not, of color or they had to, exactly. you know. It's not Naughty Dog's agenda. It's your own self-proclaimed agenda that I you've mean, so intricately betwixt onto this fucking video game. And it's a video game, dude. I mean, video games are art. Fuck whatever Roger Ebert thinks, okay? <laughs> but seriously, it's like, if you want to make the argument that anything and everything is a political... A political representation, go for it, man. But my God, I implore you to play the game for what it is in comparison to what other mediums have tried to do and have either succeeded or failed in doing. Okay. Is The Last of Us 2 a good game? It's a fucking great game if you look past what people are dog shitting it about. Mm-hmm. Is it a good Last of Us game? I still think that the first one holds a bit of a higher candle but there's no reason why you shouldn't play both especially when everyone has all the time in the world now yeah so well where can the good people find you ah so uh when it comes to twitter as i slowly watch the website uh emulate in front of my eyes uh you can find me at mancini ra watching just about everything from uh why nobody likes Trump to Trump saying nobody likes me. Um, It's, it's pretty sad that this is what we've come to now as a country is, you know, 
150,000 people dead and the president of the United States is complaining that nobody likes him. Uh, it just shows where our, all of our priorities are. As for Instagram, you can find me at Mancini Ryan. There I'm continuing to share whatever news that I can, uh, whether it be local or anything involving the upcoming election. Uh, I believe as of recording, we are about, I think, 99 days from Election Day. So uh, I know there's going to be a big push beginning on August 3rd to get people to not only register to vote, but make sure that they know at least nine people that they can get to register to vote. Um, it's part of a hashtag that is escaping me, and we'll probably talk about it next time. But yeah, uh, go register to vote, you, you, you goofs. And Sebastian, where can the good people check out your... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what would be the best word. Uh, your vanity, shall we say. Oh, <laughs> there. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It really, no, it really is. Like, it's fucking vanity project after vanity project. And I'll tell you what, though. I'm having a fun time with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah, no, I'm having a fun time with it. And I'll go into it in my closing statement here. But you can find me as well on social media through Twitter and Instagram. Um, I've said this before a million times. I'll say it again. I Twitter's done to death. Um, it's it's dead to me in so many ways that I can even describe. And every single time I go on it, I feel like I have congestive heart failure. It's... <laughs> my God. You can find me there at Dr. Underscore Sebi, uh, same as Instagram, at Dr. Sebi. You can also find me on YouTube under the handle of Seabass, yes, like the fish. There you will have a complete collection of uh, daily uploaded narrations. You can also fo follow me on my audio archive, Shugsy Storytime, a podcast on Anchor that is anything but. Now, into the good stuff. Um, I recently had some good news today. So to mm -hmm. offset Google de demoting me from publisher to just standalone plebeian author um, on the search result, I have finally been musically verified. Hey. You can, yeah, no. Um, if you guys don't know, I've been posting a few tracks here and there, uh, mainly just experimental EPs and things like that. And I never really thought that it could go anywhere, but today I was just looking up the status of an album that I actually published today. I noticed that I had a little uh, little box on Google where you could find all my stuff. So check it out. You can find that under the handle of Shugzy. That's S-C-H-U-G-Z-Y. I'm available on all streaming platforms. Uh, today I just released an album called On the House. Check it out. Um... Yeah, feel free to shoot me a manuscript at Sebastian Shug Publishing, either via email and or phone. Stay tuned for more episodes, uh, as well as other episodes on other individual podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and um, form your own opinions. Play Last of Us 2. Uh, go outside. I don't know. <laughs> it's a good idea. I mean, it's it's still summer, you know. Either that or, or people just need to – they need to do what I'm doing. They need to just get themselves a new chair. I don't know. Maybe all the gamers that had a problem with Last of Us 2 need to get a new chair. 
I need to get something. Well, I know what they can't get. They can't get no satisfaction. Oh! How's it going? Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening to Mars on Life. You can find us over on Instagram and on Twitter at Mars on Life Show. Uh, in terms of listening to the show, you can find us wherever podcasts are found. Uh, that includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and Radio Public. Our artwork is done by Zachary Erbrick, and our intro music is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. I've been Ryan Mancini. My co-host, as always, is Sebastian Shug. And just remember, if you keep on going, you'll make it to Mars. <laughs>